You're listening to the Unreasonable Fridays Podcast Network. I think that um, uh, Steven Spielberg thinks that that the theater, the theatrical releases, um, are, I guess, equivalent enough. Um, they're accessible enough. There's enough equity there. And so something like Netflix, like Netflix coming in and saying like, no, we're going to make our own movies over here. And also because we are Netflix, we actually have the ability to take risks on stories that Hollywood would overlook. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that Steven Spielberg is even thinking about that, which is a problem. Like, I think that he's just thinking about like, this is not, these are TV movies. This is not, um, you know, real um, movie making, which has always been, interestingly enough, the same way that any black art has been criticized since the dawn of time. (laughs) Black music, jazz music isn't real music. Black art is outsider art and isn't real art. Um, That's just black literature isn't real literature. And so he's basically saying that like black filmmaking that isn't done in the conventional way of white filmmaking is not real filmmaking. Yeah, that's funny. And that's fundamentally what makes it super racist. Yeah, that's funny. And I don't think that he's being I don't think that he I don't think it's racial for him. I think it's of course he, not. he has the he has the same it's kind of because it's like it's the same argument that old heads have about new stuff is the is now like Steven Spielberg, like you said, it was about the artifice about of filmmaking. So right. At this point, what makes him special is no longer special. And to him, the fact that we will always respect Steven Spielberg forever. He will always be a legend. But because of the fact that more people can do what he does, and we've mm-hmm. moved on to the point of telling of who is telling the stories, not that the story is being told of a technical expertise mm-hmm. being used. It's like been on display. It, it, it bothers him. It's almost like there's a funny, there's a sports metaphor old quarterbacks complain about new football because guys pass more way more because back in the day you could throw a perfect spiral 10 times a game and they were like my god but now guys are throwing 50 times a game so now the skill that you have is a common skill and Mm -hmm. everyone's like oh these guys now you know it's just like basketball you know in the field you know and old basketball players complain that everyone shoots now because the guy who shot three three pointers a week made two and they were considered him an elite shooter. Now you have guys like Stephen Curry who'll take 17 in a game and make half of them. Again, what made you special was the fact that you were doing it at all. <laughs> and mm-hmm. now we're at the point where it's just a common, it's a common accepted skill. There are a lot of pristine filmmakers that can make a pristine film with their iPhone now. <laughs> and they can, they, can, they can make it with their iPhone. So now what makes Steven Spielberg special, which was the fact that he would make a perfect movie in record time. It can make a structurally perfect movie in a month. <laughs> right. And, and now it's just like, so can I. And this guy pulls out his iPhone and his laptop mm-hmm. and he's done the same thing. And that stings because the old folks, older people don't realize how much they're le- how much ledge, how much weight there is in being a legend. You know what I mean? Like no one's ever going to forget Steven Spielberg. No. Steven Spielberg thinks right. that people are going to forget Steven Spielberg and we're going to forget what he's provided. And we're just not. I mean, and maybe that's that's the core of the fear is that they will be forgotten somehow. They'll be overwritten, you know, by the yeah. new and upcoming talent, which is like impossible. But that's like the fear. Right. But I mean, you're right. Like anything could be made. I mean, when my daughter was six years old, she made a movie trailer that was just a plug and play using iMovie called The Butt Shaker. I remember that. I, remember <laughs> I that would movie watch trailer. that movie. <laughs> yeah. Ten times over. I want it to be a real movie. And she made it in like an hour one afternoon. Right with her own little six-year-old self and an iPad. So right. yeah, like it, it's, it's a, like, because the, the power to make film has been democratized to a certain mm-hmm. extent, suddenly it's a threat. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Even as an old guy who, even as an old podcast guy, I still see it. Like every once in a while, you'll see like these podcast services that like speak into a microphone on your computer or on this website. We'll email you the WAV file. <laughs> and I'm like, nigga, what? <laughs> and I'm sitting there with my with my mixer and this all this stuff, and it's just like, yeah, just you know, just it's like an app on the phone, just talking to your phone. We'll send you back what we recorded. Bye. And <laughs> and that's even, not real podcasting, right? And I'm like, you son of a like, there's a part of me that's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but back I, in I, my day, right? And, you know, three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get a USB audio interface to record our podcasts. 
back in my day, 2014, you know? So, right. Yeah, people uh, podcasting, not knowing what the fuck gain is. Right. So, people that they have this one device where it's just like a thing where it's just like a machine that like has Wi Fi and like general microphones. And it just like, you could, it's not even like, it's just like a microphone, like, like, like flower. a box. Like a flower. Yeah. It's like a microphone flower where you like plug yeah. your headphones into it. You hear yourself. There are microphones that pick up direction. You speak into your direction. It returns something to you via Wi Fi over your own network wherever you want it to go. That's it. It's a box. Wow. You literally just put it down on the ground. And you can podcast wherever you happen to be. And, you know, I look at it like, oh, all right, okay. And I see it. Now, I'm not going to sit there and legislate against the motherfucker. But I do see, I do see it. I definitely, yeah. I definitely, mm-hmm. I definitely see it. So, yeah. At the end of the day, you wind up being on the other side of progress. You never want to be that. But when you are rich and white, you don't know what side is what. As a black person, I'm well aware <laughs> of what progress looks like. So I'm always trying to stay on the right side of it. But I can see where someone like Steven Spielberg can get caught up. And uh, yeah, we'll remind him. Don't worry. And Netflix will Netflix will shame Netflix will have him um, looking foolish and racist by Wednesday. What day is it? Monday? Wednesday. Well, <laughs> we already be, when you compare that ad to what he was saying. Right. We will we will have we will be calling Steven Spielberg racist by Wednesday if he does not stop what he is doing right now. Yep. <laughs> so it is important that you be on the right side of progress. No matter what you think. Yeah, because that actually might take you down. He's racist. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. I agree with you. He's racist. I think that's the thing. That's the problem. If you want to, you, you, you do more damage fighting against progress to your legacy than rolling with it. Yep. Everybody wants to remember. And supporting it. it. Right. This is one yeah. of those things we always forget about humans. We really, really, really fetishize the past. All of us do. We do. We like, we well, like. I would, hmm? I would, I would argue that Western folks do. Oh, yeah, it's that's it's a Western way of thinking. A lot of folks and like um, uh, I read this story about how in Japan um, there's a lot of like just tearing down of old stuff and rebuilding it to look exactly the way that it used to. And there's no fetishization of like this physical, tangible link with the past. It's all about just like, no, this I mean, it's still the same. It's still the same. It's built to the same spec, so it's the same. But here we would say, no, that's a replica. And like the idea of a replica doesn't have the same kind of undermining quality that it does in the West. Well, I'm not going to lie. We are bad at replicas. Well, But and also we, like we, we, we have this weird fetishization with like, no, this has to, I have to be touching the thing that someone 250 years ago was also touching for it to be legitimate. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Unreasonable Fridays. I'm your host, Aaron Rand Freeman, and with me I have Dasha Mitchell. Ma'am, how are you? Hello, good morning, afternoon, night. What time is it? It's every time, somewhere. <laughs> That's deep, man. Right. It's so deep. It is. <laughs> it's the afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. It's raining again in, in Southern California, and I'm angry about it because it is supposed to be summer now. March uh, has started. This is when summer starts, and it hasn't. Um, global warming is a thing. It's somewhere so between seventy-five degrees and thirty-five degrees everywhere. Um, I it's, I, it's I, like negative ten someplace. Um, it is. I mean, it's currently a blizzard or something happening in the east. So. Yeah, there was someone who said that um, because there's now like live weather reports from Mars that there were a couple days uh, last week where it was actually colder in parts of the United States than it was on Mars. Just saying. Messed up, Aaron. It's messed up. I um, I think we're fine. I think um, random weather and United State nationwide illnesses coast to coast keep Americans on their toes. And it's important that as we go forward as a nation, that everybody stay ready to get the flu or Legionnaire's disease <laughs> or polio or measles, rickets, rickets or a tornado, the croup, or <laughs> you can have a flood, you can have a blizzard, you can have general thunderstorms, it can hail anywhere. Just the fact that all we are a nation united by random shit. We're fine. 
We're completely fine, guys. It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's a, fine. It should just say that. That should be that should be saying our national anthem instead of them singing that shitty song. Just somebody get on the mic and be like, "We're fine, guys. We're fine. We fine. fine. Yeah, we're good. We're we're fine. fine. America's fine. We're fine, guys. We're fine." And that's it. That'd be the national anthem. We're fine, guys. It's fine. Forty degrees in Los Angeles. Thirty-five degrees. Um. Yeah. When I was there, uh, last week, it was thirty degrees at night. Yeah, that's not that's not okay. It was also 40, 50 degrees with the sun out, and it was none, raining. None of, none, of, none of it is okay. Right. None, none of it is okay. Right. So, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it sounds fine. It's not. It's cold and it's raining. It's gonna rain. It's gonna keep raining tomorrow, all for the rest of the week. Have you considered doing something about the gays and the blacks? <laughs> possibly fix your weather situation yeah there's too many of us i mean i do live in arcadia california which means there are now too many black people here so it could be that this that the san Gabriel valley is currently being punished because of the overwhelming presence of black people just just you and your children just me and my children right the overwhelming black presence meaning you and both of your children both of my kids have you considered leaving yes (laughs) <laughs> and um, if at all, Many we haven't confirmed, <laughs> have you considered unqueerifying yourself at all in any way, shape, form, or fashion? Oh, God, no. That's so boring. <laughs> My right. God. And this is <laughs> why, and this is why it's 20 degrees or 70 degrees alternatively everywhere in America. Is because we're being punished. We're being punished for having far too much fun with our black ass selves. Yes, it is true. And, it um, is true. There you go. Yeah, we are. Um, but we're not, we're, we're, we're not alone here. Aaron, um, we do have the actual voice, the actual voice of Unreasonable Fridays. Uh, one Erica Collins, who's actually the person you always hear in the opening, the person who lets you know you're listening to the network and asks you for money. <laughs> She's here. It's the voice of God. I'm here to ask you all to give us more money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's true. Deep into your wallets. I mean, I'm reaching into my wallet right now, and like, this is the, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I want to give money. <laughs> no, you don't give any money. No, you're not allowed to. You don't, don't, don't not give money to me to give money back to you. Don't, that's not, that's, that's not, not how this works. That no. sounds like a perfect business plan. That's a ter- I mean, that only works with rich white people, and you need lots of money to be able to do that. Start just moving money from person to person. Right. Right. But yes, um, ma'am, how are you? Um, I'm doing well. I'm in Austin. It's 29 degrees. The weather is also just taking a giant leap off of a tall cliff. I don't, I don't understand anymore. Um, but it's fine. We're fine. Right. We're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're all on fire. It's fine. Mm-hmm. All right. So we are introducing a, and we're going to introduce a new segment, which you will find out at the end of the show, involving voice of god <laughs> and asha mitchell yay where stay we tuned stay tuned however <laughs> we do real quick you actually can give us money anywhere That's from right. one dollar to 47 million dollars um, at patreon.com backslash on fridays if you are a one dollar subscriber which we have a few of those and i love those people because it's like kind of like the finger guns of yeah. acknowledgement it's like hey I see you. And that's cool. You know, it's fine. I love your show. <laughs> and they also like don't expect anything back like, other than the show. They're just like, here's a buck. That's fun. Carry on. You don't need to give us anything. Right. No. Just um just the show. I'd like to have a sit down conversation with those people and possibly um upgrading their subscription to forty seven million dollars. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Are we sliding? Are we are we moving the slider from one dollar? That is four no. quarters. Mm-hmm. Four quarters over to what did you say? Forty-seven, 47 million? million dollars. Um, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying that there is any. There's no mandate. The um Patreon floor is not rising. But what we're saying is, for the people who are donating one dollar to the program. Have you considered donating forty-seven million dollars to the program instead? Um, I think that we've made a uh, what million times. <laughs> I mean, 
So you're asking people to go from four whole quarters. Right. You 188 million quarters. Right. The logical upgrade from four quarters. Sure. To Up from four to 188 million. million quarters. Yes. And I'm just like, I'm not, it's not a mandate and it's not something that will happen immediately. I'm aware of that. Um, sometimes it takes people upwards of an hour to two hours to cobble $47 million together. But that's and, like going from four to 188 million. That's some like Martin Shkreli level inflation. I think it's not. That's why I'm not asking. I'm not telling anyone to do it. What I'm talking about is I think that you as a listener, because of the thing is of the growth that we want to t- undertake in 2019 that you might possibly want to give some thought to upgrading your membership to $47 million. Now, we don't need a lot. We don't need several $47 million donations, just three or four $47 million (laughs) donations to make a huge difference in the product that we can create for our fans of Unreasonable Fridays over the year 2019 and, and how many how many quarters was that Dasha? 188 million quarters 188 million quarters are they bringing you joy or are they just taking up space i mean i i would say that that many quarters would all bring me joy but they would just be taking up a whole lot of space you should sure you should they, there would be pallets of them. them you thank them and then you ship them to us yes Sorry. yeah you yeah. don't yeah they, you want them to give us joy they've they've had a good use in your life Mm-hmm. You now want to send them to us. Yeah. That seems reasonable. I mean, and honestly, I'd be willing to settle for like 400 quarters. That seems a lot more reasonable than 188 million no, quarters. But what any, anything you want to do? It's flexible. And it was, <laughs> it was just a serious, <laughs> it's a serious discussion that I just wanted to bring forth. Like it's a long, it's a, it's a lengthy discussion. We're not going to resolve that um, today. <laughs> and I just wanted to bring forth the possibility that, you know, it's just something that we just talking about the needs long term of what and over yeah. time we'll roll out our expansion plans, you know, like, for instance, like we'd all like Maseratis here. It would allow us to <laughs> podcast. Um, it would allow us to stay in tune with the news cycle. Um, it would allow us to communicate better with each other. It would allow us to um, have more guests, more general lateral movement if everyone drove around a maserati for example um that type of thing um i'd like my house to float slightly like the google campuses um <laughs> i think that it's important that unreasonable fridays be recorded from a floating base and that, that the base be able to move slightly so that if there was anything were to happen an earthquake or anything like that that it wouldn't be affected because unreasonable fridays is being recorded 100 feet off the earth where it uh-huh. will remain safely so that none from of your favorite warming. what safe from global warming safe from global warming exactly and right. these type of things but like i said it's an ongoing discussion um you're not under the gun now enjoy the programs please nothing's going to change <laughs> nothing's going to go behind a paywall or anything like that <laughs> suddenly there's 188 million quarters paywall <laughs> But yes, I'm just just leaving that on the table. But we'll go on with the show. Dasha, please. Um, what uh, what comes to mind? What do you what do you want to start us off with? Today? Well, so we have um, there's so much so much has happened. Um, we are now we have fully wrapped on history's worst Black History Month. <laughs> it is, it just like. Folks came out swinging against Black History Month and just I feel like they won. I'm just going to say it right now. I feel like they won. <laughs> so June. Can we just like, you know, center it around Juneteenth or something? I'm fine with that. Yeah. Because I just I can't. Holiday. I feel like it just. It, yeah, this we're going to have to do a bit of a post game wrap up of All Black right, History let's Month. Let's do it. All right. What, what, all right. What, 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 do you, what, what, what caught your eye? Dasha Mitchell. Um, well, um, first of all, uh, I know it didn't technically happen during Black History Month, but Luke Perry died. Mm. <laughs> and I feel personally <laughs> offended for all people. I'm deeply sad. <laughs> makes me very sad. Mm-hmm. I'm deeply sad. He died of a stroke, which is just, he's too young for that. That's not, take care yeah. of yourselves, everybody. Like, that's just, Dylan, Dylan McKay has died, and I'm 
incredibly sad about that. Mm. Um, so rest in peace. Don't it's a fun, funny um, thing. I was talking to Imani about that, and she was she had mentioned that she didn't. She might have sounded silly being a black woman deeply moved by Luke Perry. But I was pointing out that I know plenty of black people who grew up on 90210. Like, but like, yeah, typically black people still know all the white people that all the white people know. The problem is none of the white people know any of the black people that are relevant to black people. But good God, if we were not raised by the same white people. Yeah, we all know the same white people. So we we were all <laughs> we raised. Do. Several of us were raised on Beverly Hills 90210. Now we balanced it out because we were black. But good God, we were all fully we were all fully aware of the importance of Luke Perry to all of our adolescents. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Absolutely. Um yeah, so yeah, shout out to Rip. uh Luke Perry and his family. That is terrible. Um but as part of our Black History Month post-game wrap-up show, we had everything from um, racism at the Michael Cohen hearing to, um, like, Oscars seemed like they were going black until they weren't. <laughs> um, so starting with, let's start with, let's start with the, the, the Oscars. Racism is now over, everybody. We did it. We did it. Right. So... The movie Green Book One. Huh. Now, I have not seen this movie. And for those of you out there who are like, well, you can't criticize Dasha because you haven't seen it. Why would I or any of us subject ourselves to that kind of violence? Right. I'm not going to see it. And not, not after what the family said about it. No. Thank you. So the, the family said, and I quote, <clears throat> this film was a symphony of lies. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do I need to say anything else? That's a I mean, that is... they thought they thought long and hard about how they were going to describe it, and they settled on <laughs> symphony of lies. Symphony of lies, which I feel like was an homage to Dr. Shirley because he was a classically trained musician and also a homage to white supremacy. <laughs> that it was calling out the fact that they the um, filmmakers did not one time check with the family get permission the whole thing is built on a lie it's built on a white lie and i don't mean a white lie as in this is a harmless little lie that isn't going to hurt anybody that in and of itself is a lie (laughs) white lies are the worst lies let's all be clear white it's whiteness that wants us to think that a white lie is just a little harmless thing that is going to hurt anybody when it's actually the worst so this uh the son of everybody knows it's a story of dr shirley mm-hmm. played by mahershala ali who is just a tasty tall just bass voiced beautiful beautiful who also was hoodwinked into doing this movie so <clears throat> He plays opposite of Vigo Mortensen, who plays this uh, a white dude who's racist, who is driving, who's been hired to drive for uh, Dr. Shirley. Now, the son of the real life guy, Valalonga, his uh, he apparently tried to get Dr. Shirley's permission to get this story, like to sign off on this story um, the whole time that he was alive. And Dr. Shirley was like, the fuck out of here. I don't I don't I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, and then he waited until after he died and then managed to, uh, bamboozle his way into Hollywood to get this story sold and then told everybody, well, the family completely disavows. Dr. Shirley doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So we don't want to reach out to the family about this because it's hurtful. We're just going to make this story. Lies. <sighs> just straight up lies. So this movie just won Best Picture because a white man taught a black man how to eat fried chicken. A white man was only kind of racist, but in that genteel way and is not that violent kind of racist that like, I don't know, yells nigger every five minutes. Um, And they were friends. So um, and according to one Steven Spielberg, it's the best buddy movie he's seen in years. (laughs) So with that. Yes, yeah, so that's that's part one of why this Black History Month was trash. <laughs> you got a bunch of white people co-signing Green Book. Can we can we just like as as a committee, as a people, 
Agree. No more white savior movies. I thought no we had stories, no more white savior. Can we can we get something binding in writing, something heavy, so that we can hit anyone trying to direct a white savior movie with whatever that heavy binding agreement is? Um, because it's ridiculous. I mean, I think I think Netflix is trying to do that. <laughs> right. That's that's their game plan. <laughs> it's, is that we're not gonna make those movies anymore? We asked. We actually do have black friends, and by friends, people who we trust and who mm-hmm. trust us, and who we share our closest, most intimate details with, because they are our friends. We talked with them, and we're like, "Hey, you want a job at this company that I'm working at?" And they're like, "Yeah, I want a job there." And then they, suddenly, that black person became their boss. <laughs> <laughs> And was like, hey, guess what? We're not going to be doing these white savior movies anymore. And because y'all are friends, you were like, okay. I like to think about that. No more black people from the white perspective ever. Just, just no more ever. Mm-hmm. I think ever. I think that Netflix ever. is the one of the few people, few companies that have followed this. Because if you make, if because mostly if you look on social media, it's a lot of black people being like, oh, thank God. I'm so tired of these movies about black people from the white perspective, like over and over again about all these things, whether it's the cartoon movies or the action movies or the dramas. We're like, oh, thank God this movie is not about the essentially black person from the white perspective, the Hispanic person from the white perspective, anything. They're just, they, they, we, we, we say it openly. Thank God. It's not like the normal movie. It's not like the normal standard trope. We say it. Netflix, I think, is the only people that actually have listened to what people are saying directly on social media about their product to them. No doubt. I mean, yeah, they're they're about to release. Um, Ava DuVernay is doing a documentary on um, the Central Park Five. Oh, oh. I heard of that. Oh, the trailer for it gave me chills. Just, it's going to be beautiful and damning and terrible all at the same time because. Ava's a very talented woman and it's a tragic story and she's going to do a good service. But the fact that she chose Netflix to, as her platform to release this, I think says a lot about who, um, about access and storytelling. Right. I think, wasn't she the one that said that she's only had one film that's been like shown internationally and it's not Wrinkle in Time and it's not Selma. It was 13. 13. Yeah. I think it was about shown like, uh like seen like ev- like the most in the world or something yeah right the so 13th yeah so it's distribution and a big part of that i think also is getting these stories from our perspective out into the wider world so like africans can see african americans as we see ourselves and not as white people see us mhm you know like just in general, so that the rest of the world sees that we're actually people. What? Like Russian bots. That's, now you're just saying wild things. People right. is a stretch. Right. Like we're real people, guys, and we do people y things. We have real stories. Doing. Right. Real stories. We're not just objects to be paraded about. Right. We're you by, by white puppeteers. Right, that and, is... and we exist when you stop looking at us and everything. Like yeah. we have object permanence and our people. That's wild. You know right. who you should who we should explain this to? One uh, representative, Mark Meadows. Oh, oh but he'd cry. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want him to cry, do you? <laughs> this dude. So jump quick to the Michael Cohen. Uh, testimony, which I I don't know how I found the time to listen to this all day, <laughs> but I did. <laughs> and it was at one, very entertaining. It was, and but at one point I was listening and I couldn't quite understand what was happening because there was like this weird silence and like Rashida Tlaib was yelling about something, and so I like went on YouTube TV, mm-hmm. my cable, and to watch what had happened. And Representative Mark Meadows. <laughs> Managed from the from North Carolina's 11th congressional district. Make sure I get my facts right. Decided as his way of proving that Donald Trump is in fact not a racist. He introduced into evidence a black woman who works for Donald Trump. Oh, a single black woman. 
Yep, just one uh just one black lady. I'm trying to get her her name. Um but yeah, that's that was his his entry into evidence. Did he did she talk? Mm, no. No. Did she come out no. give us she came out give she came out and give us a little twirl? Uh it was Lynn Patton. Yep, she gave kind of a twirl. I think she broke into AOC's office actually and stole her white cape. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm gonna have to look 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 presentable since I'm apparently gonna be on TV. <laughs> Um, yeah, they went to their like resident. Um, uh, oh God, Trump's being accused of racism again. Black lady. I really hope she's on the payroll for that. Like, I know she has like a, a job there, but I hope that her, like she gets like her, her like a, a bonus. Bonus. Like, yeah. Everybody says he's racist. She just she like gets a bonus. Like when football players do really well in their contracts and stuff. Yeah, she gets like a, uh, or at least incentive. like a um, like a some kind of per diem. <laughs> A racism per diem, right? Because well, you all know it's just like cooties, right? It's like all the black people have cooties, so if you're willing to go near them, you can't have the racism, right? Right, right. Proximity. I mean, I th- I think that like, and that was that was what the last day of of Black History Month. That's how we closed it out was <laughs> with a mute black woman being paraded in front of Congress to show that racism isn't real anymore. <laughs> And wasn't this, I, I I feel like this was the same day that there was also a black lady that was on Trump's campaign that was like suing him for sexual harassment or yes. something during the campaign. So, you know, it's like there were two black women. Yeah. He even sexually assaulted one of them. He can't possibly be racist. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I mean. It's, I mean. Guys. I mean, he's, he loves, he, he loves black people. He right. loves them so much that, um. Still just uh, grab him by the whatever. Right. Right. There you go. <laughs> Even the black ones. Right. right. Racism is over, guys. Yeah, that's great. I just, I, I want to, I just think that it's uh, the, the situation that Mark Meadows found himself in. I, uh, let me rephrase that. The situation that Mark Meadows put himself in. Mm-hmm. Um, where he stepped fully into racism like stepped on it like a rake in a yard <laughs> and then got hit in the face with it. <laughs> and then someone was like, that's racism. And he starts crying. And now I completely agree that Mark Meadows probably did not understand that that was racist. However, completely. However, <laughs> however, not knowing that something was racist doesn't make it less racist. That's like mm-hmm. blowing a stop sign and saying, but officer, I didn't know that meant stop. I didn't know that was racism right there. <laughs> I did not know that. So we're good, right? <laughs> Still terrible. No. Still terrible. I feel very sorry for his relatives of color. Which I am also like, can we just... I just want to put a ban out there right now because there's a lot of folks, black folks, white folks, progressive folks, all kinds of folks. Listen, there is a Venn diagram, okay, of not white people. There's <laughs> black people who are also people of color, but not all people of color are black people. <laughs> and I think by saying people of color in a situation where you're parading a black woman about, as a defense that you're not racist and all of the comments well not all of them a lot of the comments were anti-black racism we need to talk about anti-black racism and black people and not just people of color Mm -hmm. because by saying people of color you're actually serving to erase the intersectional ways that white racism operates on different people of color see that's an appropriate way to use it Mm mm-hmm not just my like your niece and also your proximity to quote people of color (laughs) like it needs to be said doesn't make you not racist ask thomas jefferson Mm, ask strom thurman yeah (laughs) Mm. ask pretty much any white person any white racist person who's ever had a black servant domestic Mm -hmm. help employee person walking by them on the street right child spouse just 
listen, like it doesn't make you not racist. It just doesn't. And we need to stop using that as excuse. Hey, white people, you don't get to use that as an excuse that you're not racist. You know how you show that you're not racist? By not being racist. Right. Well, and if you're confused, you can literally ask your nearest trusted black person. And we may get annoyed with you because as is our right. Hey, is this racist? And if you don't have any trusted black people. Get some. <clears throat> you're pretty racist. Too. Yeah, probably racist. <laughs> yeah. But but Dasha, but Erica, but Aaron, I don't live by any black people. Why is that? Huh? What's that about? Hmm. Right. Oh, could it be racism? I mean, it, you've managed an incredibly long streak of not being around any black people. It might be time to break it. I mean, if yeah. you're now you're now officially scared of being racist to the point where you don't do anything, right? Then it's mm -hmm. time for you to um, uh, revise what you've been doing up until this point. I would also argue that a reasonable response to not being around a lot of black people. <laughs> Or being in a in a community that is entirely homogenous should be fear. I've moved to an, a, a homogenous community, and I'm afraid <laughs> this place freaks me the fuck out. <laughs> it just <laughs> does. <laughs> Diversify your friends, your neighborhoods. Stop using black people as your your. I'm not a racist crutch. Stop doing it. Oh, we aren't props. No, not a prop. No, I'm a person. We're all people. We're, we are. We're also around. Yeah. <laughs> Like literally to, everywhere we're also we, out here right like i understand back when we used to travel by horse by via horse <laughs> and we would like you know when yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah, we, we Aaron, most of the cowboys were black though right That's true yeah so i mean we i don't think there's ever been an excuse for not finding any black people mm -mm. but um you I know, brought us here you should know where we are right how do you how do you bring a whole race of people to a place and then just lose us? I don't know where to find them. Right. Those Negroes just disappeared. They were in the fields. They were under Jim Crow oppression. We got rid of segregation and poof, they're gone. Well, here's the thing. If you don't see race, then you're not able to find them. And so therefore, Whoa. if you can't find them, you're not racist. That's what it means. That's what it is. That's, that's white logic for you right there. Yep. Okay. Yep. Power of white supremacy. <laughs> Color blindness. Um, just a quick shout out to uh Representative Ayanna Presley and uh Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and one mm -hmm. esteemed representative from the United States Virgin Islands, Stacy Plasquette, whose eye roll was felt around the world deep within our souls deep within our soul just i just i have been there mm. i have felt it mm -hmm. and it just it brings me back to all the times that i couldn't execute it because of disparities of power and so i appreciate when someone can just literally roll with it and just oh, yeah. Like, I have had enough of your shit, Jim Jordan. <laughs> I still don't really know what it was that she said. And I don't need to know. Because <laughs> she said some words. I don't really need to know what she said. She I want to fill it in words. with whatever I want. <laughs> she said several words. Several Many words. words. And I know that Jim Jordan sees her in the hallway and, like, turns tail. <laughs> no, he does. <laughs> Look, they handled that. They handled that whole line of questioning very well, very expertly. You know, like there was. Oh, they came prepared. Lot, right. Like there was a lot of collaboration and actual like, oh, we're not here um, just because this guy is somebody that's going to say bad things about Trump. No, we have questions. No, we have actual questions. That right. Investigations that we're going to have. Yep. We have teams forward. of people who have been right. working on this. Right. I really appreciate it. So uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez actually talked about what went into those questions because hers were really kind of the most are are considered like the, the most sort of like crisp and concise line of questioning that we have. That's also led mm -hmm. to like a whole series of like, well, we're just going to have to see is tax returns <laughs> and also subpoena all of these people. 
Yes. Um, and the reason why she had such crisp and pointed questions was big surprise. She worked on them and had her whole team work on them and they practiced instead of like worrying about the politics of it or having to be on the phone with like supporters and donors. Like she didn't, have to, she didn't do any of that stuff. She was like, no, I have homework to do and I'm going to do it. Yeah, she got an A plus on that book report. Yeah, she just relies on donations apparently, so doesn't do any calling to donors. Nope. So mm-hmm. she has more time to be crisp. Yep. And honestly, like, I mean, I don't even live in New York. She's got my vote <laughs> again. <laughs> That's gonna be yeah. her seat for yeah. a minute. She's she's doing objectively. She's doing a good job. Yeah. Yes. Objectively. Um, and she's what twenty nine. Right. She's very oh. sure. She's baby. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. And she even makes some, she makes, she's made a few like youthful uh, missteps. And I appreciate that because she's just like made a mistake. Keep it going. Mm-hmm. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. So yeah, that was our, um, that was, that was Black History Month. And it was just, I just close my eyes and take deep breaths and hope that we're moving Black History Month to June. Just to June. We're, we're going to try back in the summer. There'll be cookouts. Let's not. Let's not move it. Let's keep it, and let's yeah, let it be the month. let's let it be the dummy Black History Month, so all the white people cram a, like run into it, and like build up <laughs> right there. So, so it'll be like a stopper. It'll just build. All the white people will build up, and then all the blackface stuff will come out, and then all this stuff questions like, "Why isn't there White History Month?" And everything will happen over there in February, right? And like then from there, and then in June. We'll be celebrating Black History Month, and then everyone will be wondering why the black people are having such a good time, and we just won't say anything. Yeah, okay. it's June. Or it's summertime. Or, or we just make it officially all year round and exhaust white supremacy of all of their shit. There's not enough shoe polish in the world. Listen, for... I don't know if we can exhaust them. I think that they could come up with some new fuckery. I don't know. All they all they do is recycle old fuckery. <laughs> when was the last time you saw something that was like new racist that was like oh i haven't seen that one before when was the last time well this is true huh well, i'm true. actually gonna think about that for a second so i'm trying to think of the last racist thing that happened nope seen that before black woman paraded yep somebody calling somebody nigger yep uh white cops acquitted of killing black people yeah that's uh-huh uh-huh they, yep. they do have just like a standard playbook i but think I like amusing amusing in air quotes because the whole black agenda gay agenda there's actually a white supremacist agenda like they're all going from the same deck the same index pack yeah racist things to do and then claim aren't racist like oh you know what you know what the new the new the new look is actually that is uh that continues to both like catch me off guard but also just make me sad for them or like the candace owens of the world um that's the one that always catches me sideways because I'm like, sis, what are you? How? What's your home life like? How the money's good. Like, how do you go home for like family reunions it's and in, stuff? It's like, incredibly lucrative selling out black people. But I just, I yeah. But even that, I guess I've seen before. So it's not even like I haven't seen somebody like Candace Owens before. Well, um, there's the there's the bots. There's the Russian bots. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're but they're yeah. That type of that type of racism. I still also feel like we've seen that before. <laughs> Just not I as really that's not as like a elect. It's not like a through electronic medium, but it's through um uh uh just through through information circulation there's been definitely yeah, been a history of information campaigns i have this terrible urge to do a horrible russian accent of all the really bad aab <laughs> it's, so russian, bad. it's so bad can like, you do I, a russian accent um i can do a terrible russian accent <laughs> which is kind of like <laughs> a terrible black accent so i guess right which i can't do a russian be... accent at all apparently right. no apparently no one can like that was the first <laughs> thing i've learned from russian people is that all russian accents that we've been exposed to in american film and cinema and everything are all bad a hundred percent like there's not even an approximation like they're really 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 we're, we're at zero percent to the right. point where no american has nailed a russian accent really ever that's no. really funny right we cannot we cannot do it we we've we've started from like drago 
from Rocky, and then we never really deviated for like forty years. Yeah, and <laughs> that's our problem. That's a, that's a bit of a problem. So, yeah. yeah, we should have taken more cues from Mikhail Baryshnikov. <laughs> it's delightful. And bridging the the racial divide, dance around with Gregory Hines and shit. Y'all remember White Knights? Am I the only one? Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Love that movie. Gregory Hines and everything and everything. Just a delightful yeah. man. He, he is? He's still alive, isn't he? Oh my god. Did he die? Gregory Hines? I think he died. Yeah, I think he's this is gonna be one of those hurtful. Yeah, like he died a while ago and I'm sad about it all over again. He died he died sixteen years ago. Yeah, yeah he did. He died yeah. quite a while ago, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm, yeah, that's right. I do remember that. I remember being he would, have, then. he would have been in things if he were still around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just sad again. So uh as a result of this Black History Month being absolute one hundred percent garbage. Mm-hmm. I think it's time that we introduce our new segment. <laughs> because not it's been garbage, not just not just because like white folks don't know how to act and black folks are selling each other under the river, but also I would I think that like work life balance is just particularly hard at times like this for yeah. black people. Yes. That's for sure. So yeah. like, you know, black folks had to go to work on Monday. Mm-hmm. And have white colleagues talking about how much they love Green Book. And that's just mm-hmm. violence. You're just, listen, you've got, you got to meet your KPIs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the meantime, you got like, you know, Megan and Josh high-fiving each other about how great Green Book was. Right. But, you know, everything's okay because we all have a diversity statement. And um, mm-hmm. so, you know, there's no problems anymore. Racism has been solved. So for our new segment which we should get some theme music at some point. <laughs> We're calling it Black to Work. Yes. It's very imaginative. <laughs> Working title. Yes. If you come up with something better, please send it along with your $47 million donation to our We accept it in quarters. Yes. In it quarter. is true. Actually, for $47 million, you can name the segment. <laughs> you can. You so. could you could even title it Racism is Over. That's fine. Yeah. You can call it Racism is Over. You can call it... Uh, white butts <laughs> that's actually a good title <laughs> i mean <laughs> for that not kind of money they're showing their ass they usually <laughs> say but i'm not racist but right it, it works on so many levels um so as part of this segment we're just gonna i guess we're gonna talk about um uh the like latest news in um diversity in the workplace we'll probably talk a lot about being black and a woman in the workplace, mm-hmm. like an cisgendered woman in the workplace, because that's who we are. Indeed. But um, but would also like to expand it and also make this have this as an opportunity for folks to engage with us about their experiences of bullshit in the office. Right. Like we want your stories, your experiences too. Oh, we definitely want your stories because yeah. we, we all have them. Mm-hmm. We all have them. Um. And also want to welcome uh, any white folks with the, like, is this racist or did I, I have questions. Maybe somebody called you out and you don't understand why. Well, you know what? We'll be your black friend. Maybe that's what we would call that segment. Your black friend. All right. I'll I'll put on my most sensitive, empathetic voice. Yeah. 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 We will listen and we will uh, walk you through it. Mm-hmm. I'll probably just have you Google some stuff. That's always a good place to start. But um, but yeah, we'll help you out. So, Erica, what's the latest in um news of of diversity or equity or inclusion? And uh, <laughs> oh, in, there's so much in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> I feel included in my workplace <laughs> right now since this is my work current workplace. <laughs> <laughs> well. That's fair. Yeah, I um, I know there was a story that you wanted to talk about that happened earlier, um, in Black History Month, <sighs> um, about the yeah. Alabama newspaper editor. Yeah, where you know that lovely gentleman who said that the KKK should ride again. I want to be clear. His name is Goodloe Sutton. 
just I just want to put that his first name is Goodlow. Yeah, you know, like racist white man name in a movie, a feel good movie about racism aside. <laughs> that aside, he's a terrible person. <laughs> like I'm just you know, I mean He's just awful. Okay. Yeah, he's awful. What did he do? So he um he wrote this <laughs> he wrote this amazing uh uh op ed. He wrote and published mm-hmm. an editorial for um the Democrat Reporter, which is a local newspaper in Linden, Alabama. Right, which harkens back to the original Democrats, the racist ones. Old school Democrats, right. all the the Democrats that like the the Candace Owens is are are warning you about. Mm-hmm. It's these is this it's one these ones that are like not. Apparently, they are around because Goodlow Sutton, mm-hmm. um, wrote right. and published this uh this editorial. Um, where he was advocating for the um the clan to night ride again. Oh yeah. And I believe he had uh, some point where he said that, you know, he didn't even believe the KKK was that bad because, you know, he didn't think they had killed but a few people, his work. <laughs> Not ours. He didn't kill but a few people. They, they didn't kill but a few people. It was just, you know, like, mostly they were nonviolent people in hoods terrorizing the neighborhood, but they did not kill but just a few people. That's what he said. Yeah. My yeah. favorite my favorite part of this is he gave, like, a a, a follow-up um interview because uh folks were a bit it wasn't racist enough or a bit they were upset about it because he said also just like how are you i mean i understand that you are the owner mm-hmm. and editor of this but like just uh, listen you have too many single sentences as paragraphs first of all <laughs> um and i do like that in this you know he says time for the ku klux klan to ride to night ride again and then he goes on to talk about how um, slaves just freed after the Civil War were not stupid. And at times they borrowed their former master's robes and horses and rode through the night to frighten some evildoer. Sometimes <laughs> they had to kill one or two of them. But so what? I, I you just... Know, somebody who has such a tenuous grasp of reality... Owning an entire newspaper. And then here's the thing. Everybody was super happy. Like a lot of the news reports were super cheerful. It's like, oh, this guy was fired. There's a black lady in charge now. Everything's great. Two things infuriated me about that. The first one being that it just wasn't true. He's the owner of the paper still. Um, The second one is you saw only his face. You did not learn the woman's name at all. Um, her name is Alicia R. Dexter, um, but you never saw that in any of the headlines. You just saw like his face and the black woman's replaced him. They literally just looked around the office, found a black lady and said, hey, you're now the editor of a paper. Yeah, yeah. And they so just- that's I mean, that and that was the result of like so there was heat that was brought by this story mm-hmm. and his subsequent like non-apology I'm not even going to call it a non-apology apology. It was just a non-apology. <laughs> um, because he he basically said that uh, the um, uh, the Klan were actually better than the FBI. Which he never mentioned. He never mentioned the FBI to start. No, they're not included in this. But that was apparently what this was all about, was him having a big critique of, of the FBI. And so, yeah, he just like walked out of his office stuck his head out mm-hmm. and was like actually probably went to his assistant Psst. hey we got any um uh, Nick, i mean uh uh black uh, he's, negro he's a, southern, he's a southern democrat so he probably says negra negra and he we got any negras in the office mm-hmm. and um his assistant was probably like well there's a, a What's her name? Yeah. Who works at the front? She works at the front desk. Right. Can you can you send her in my office, please? Right. <laughs> and she probably thought she was in trouble and went in there. And he was like, "So, 
congratulations. You're now the editor in chief. And then just smoke pelleted out of there. (laughs) (laughs) The white guys. Yeah. We are not your diversity shield. Mm -mm. We will not be deflecting claims of racism after you do racist things. Putting black people in a position of power immediately after the white person fucks up is super garbage. Um, and yeah, there's nothing good about this at all. So here's so here's my question: in in a from a strictly professional perspective, mm-hmm. I'm trying to put myself into this woman's shoes. Right. I'm just working. You know, I'm working at the front desk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got a couple of advanced degrees, but like, I just, I need this job. Right. It's a racist ass institution that I'm working for, mm-hmm. but I need this job. Right. And then suddenly this controversy happens and you've been put in charge of the paper. What do you do? Like, how is your, uh, like, do you basically like, you understand that, that you don't have all the power that this white dude has because good low. <laughs> is still in charge mr sutton is still in charge yes yes so how what is the appropriate plan of action in when you're in this position it is there's no good there's no good options right i mean if you didn't actually need the job this is the best time in the world to just you know blow it up from the inside post all the diverse Mm -hmm. stories do all of the in-depth reporting on corruption in your small town and basically turn that conservative Democrat into a modern Democrat paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you need the job, then you're really in this horrible position where you have to stand up for your racist boss while sending out like SOS flares somewhere else, hoping you get hired somewhere else because yeah. it's untenable. Can yeah. you imagine what the office was like? Or probably still is like. I mean, I can, but I hate it. Publish the KKK should ride again. Should night ride again. Yeah, I don't. I feel like like the thing to do in this situation, like if we were friends, and she mm-hmm. were like, I don't, I don't even know what I'm going to do about this situation. Um, I think I would have to like like the first thing you should do is like reach out to like the the network of black journalists that are local for you. So I don't know if that means like the Birmingham Times, which is like a black owned newspaper Mm -hmm. or but I think you start reaching out for people because it's clear that this woman has never been an editor in chief before. Right. So like she's probably doesn't necessarily know all the ins and outs of how to do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. her predecessor didn't either. No, (laughs) let's be clear. Right. But I think the best thing that she could do is to actually reach out to people who have her position and Mm -hmm. um, are. at either more progressive papers or black papers. It could, could be that she's not progressive. It could be that she voted for Trump too, bless her. Um, but, but I think just reaching out to other um, black uh, editors in chief mm-hmm. and just sort of have like a big sit down. And I'm sure that in this situation, because it got so much news, you could get people on the phone pretty quickly. You probably could. The thing about just have like an emergency meeting and you know that there's one long email chain or Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm assuming because it's like older black folks that they're not in Slack. Right. right. <laughs> that there's like one long email thread dating back to like 1999. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but um, but I think that, that like that would be a good step in trying to figure out like what do I do next? How do I like, you know, create the most opportunity out of this knowing that this is probably an artificial position that isn't going to last for very long. Right. That's very temporary. Like once eyes are off, Mm -hmm. they go back to normal. And also because we're in a capitalist society and because newspapers are dying, the other thing that she has to consider is their advertisers, their sponsors. Mm -hmm. Right. So outreach to maybe some different sponsors because money will talk when nothing else will talk. Indeed. You know, yeah. Like yeah. That's what keeps people fed. Um readership readership subscriptions generally do not. 
So, you know, it's yeah, awful. she could, she could, uh, she could flip it. Um, uh, right. If she could get enough advertisers and enough stories to change the readership, then it doesn't matter what Mr. Goodlow Sutton of Southern Villainism School, um, <laughs> the paper, the paper will just have to be progressive. Now he still owns it. So whether it's turning a profit or not turning a profit, that runs back to his pockets as well. So that's true. That's right. true. But I mean, she could, she could uh, flip it the way that, um, uh, who was the, the black man that took over the neo-Nazi group? Oh God. <laughs> and he's just going to make it into his own. It's going to use it to like take it apart. Um, I mean, she could turn it into a, like uh, a profitable little newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then it's just it's profiting the most racist of racist white men so it's just like there's yeah, no there's, there's no winning there's no winning yeah yeah i think that all all that you can do is um try to write better stories mm-hmm. get those get some of those get some bylines yep um and you know establish some work history so that you can get a uh yeah, and make some connections if she's really mm-hmm. new so that you can find your next job because because mm-hmm. you know this isn't gonna last Mm-mm, yeah well. build those relationships build those relationships because that's the thing too is that like sometimes <clears throat> and i've been in and i'm sure folks have been in, in organizations before where it feels like you know like you have to be the agent of change in that place mm-hmm. and anytime that you are positioned as you know as a change agent um without being especially without being paid for it it's di- mm-hmm. slightly different than if you're like a chief diversity officer but even so it can still mm-hmm. be the case where you have to you know you're the one who who is speaking up you're the one that has to say something and mm-hmm. honestly like for your own like mental and emotional well-being you don't have to like you don't have to be the one to do it. Do what you can, but sometimes mm-hmm. an institution is not prepared for that kind of change. Build connections with folks who have also had to institute changes in their offices and their workplaces. Mm-hmm. See how they've done it. Try to model that. Try to do what you can to advocate. But if you get to a point where you're like, this is not going anywhere and I'm not sleeping at night. <laughs> right. Time to, you know, like lean on those relationships that you've built outside of the organization and jump ship right you know because that company is not going to succeed without changing their program they're just not i can't imagine backlash now against racist missteps that you know sooner or later they'll get caught up in it they'll be caught up in it or they'll just stay small like this tiny little paper in linden alabama that isn't going to go anywhere (laughs) Right. And I mean, I think that it's it's a long game you got to play. That's mm-hmm. that's also the problem is that like you want to see change. You want to see it now. And there's it's so obvious when there's been a transgression, what has happened and how to fix it. But often it's only obvious to the people who have been transgressed against the transgressors are like, everything's fine. Because <laughs> there's, a, there's a negra in charge now. So I'm fine. And right. You know, he goes out and he has lunch with Boss Hog and talks about those Duke boys <laughs> getting up to their shenanigans. Just you know. the good old boys. <laughs> Real talk, I used to love that show. I don't know why. I, I don't know why it. my mom let me watch it. Why? I, I, no, it was not for children. I was in love with Bo, though. It was not for children. And it was certainly not for black children. I don't no. know why I loved it so much, but they got to fly through the air in this orange car going, yeehaw! And I thought that was just living the yeah. life. I love the narrator. I love that the narrator was just like, those deep boys are in trouble now. They're in some trouble now. (laughs) And it would always stop when the car was like midair. Right. What is wrong with us? (laughs) (laughs) We just went from talking about, listen, we are a complicated team. Right. (laughs) Of diversity, equity, inclusion, et cetera. None, not experts. No, No, we have facets and layers. Yes, facets, layers, experience, um, right. contradictions. Yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah. Hopefully, uh, y'all have enjoyed um, our newest segment, uh, "Black to Work," working title. White butts. White butts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Guys, 
<laughs> I understand that most people here have a long-standing green light. I feel like calling a segment white butts <laughs> is just taking advantage of a lack of a speed limit here. It doesn't mean you're to go 270 miles per hour. It means that for most part, just go within the flow of traffic. White butts is not what we do with our freedom here. In any part of Unreasonable Friday, it's just to be clear, like you have freedom to make adult decisions based on your experiences so as to promote your brand and any projects you have on in, in mind. Um, right. Unless you can make a case for the, um, the purpose um, long-term of white butts, we're probably not new, going to call the segment white butts. Don't say, don't say white butts. I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking to the new Patreon subscribers now. When you subscribe, leave mr freeman a note that you are subscribing specifically for white butts if you have if, if, if you have 47 we will thank you on the air if you have yes, 47 we will, we, will thank, we will thank you on the air by name if you have 47 million dollars you will <laughs> appear you will helicopter will land on san pablo <laughs> avenue you will walk up to the house i live in you will already have the key because you will have 47 million disposable dollars <laughs> And you will come in and you will hand me a bag of money with a dollar sign on it. And you'll be like, I want you to call it White Bugs, Aaron! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <clears throat> because um, um, you will have the freedom to do so. But if you think that it's worth $47 million, you will not hesitate to let me know. Right. To my face. Listen, I'm just, I'm just imagining. Million, if we get a thousand dollars in donations that say white butts it's white butts i just am imagining now aaron opening up the door after the bing bong and he <laughs> opens the door and there's a there's a, oh, someone out there who's like call it white butts with a bag of money and he picks up the bag of money and looks at it and then it freeze frames it says looks like the unreasonable crew's got themselves <laughs> a pickle once again <laughs> Aaron looking wide-eyed at the bag of money. Straight, straight to commercial. <laughs> right at that point. Yeehaw! Right, Inexplicably. All right, guys. That was your program. And um, thank you guys for listening. Um, we will be back uh, next week. If you uh, have any uh, opinions, you want to feedback about the segment, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter, uh, twitter.com. UN Fridays, like United Nation Fridays, but not at all in any way. And um, yeah, uh, that's it for us. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, see you guys next week. Bye. Enjoy what you heard? Become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash unfridays and follow the network at twitter.com slash unfridays. Help us to take over the airwaves and destroy centuries of misinformation perpetuated by colonizer propaganda. Or, you know, buy us a coffee and a few video games. <laughs>